This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. However, it applies to you for what will be your Thursday episode as we drive you through the week here. Obviously, head coaching search, then we'll get to a GM search, roster reviews. Going to be a busy January, guys. Glad everybody's along for the ride. Uh, appreciate all the support. Uh, numbers right now are pouring through through the roof as you know we go through yet another regime here. Cleveland Browns wise, your host, Jeff Lloyd, SI.com, Browns Maven, Pete Smith, along for the ride. Your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns wise, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, today, Pete, um, and look, it was, you know, today, tomorrow, Friday, this is, you know, that's really the big three here. Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz comes to town, defense coordinator from the Eagles. Uh, apparently still under contract with Philly. So obviously, you know, head coach, this is certainly a possibility. Uh, there could be a possibility of a breakup with Philadelphia. But uh, Jim, for all intents and purposes, was here for a head coaching interview today, Pete. Um, analytic guy, you know, obviously had a failed stint, stint in Detroit. Um, but you want to look at what uh, a lot of things that went wrong here in 2019. Uh, this is the kind of guy that would kind of come in and, you know, basically put a foot up some asses. Right. He's the opposite of Freddie Kitchens. He's, uh, he's an ass kicker. He's a no nonsense guy. He, he's, you know, Greg Williams to an, another degree. Um, now he's, you know, in the respect of leadership and those type of things, he might be great. Um, there are, you know, his, his, willingness uh, to be as tough as he is may rub uh, certain entities the wrong way, but, you know, he was uh, received a lot of credit for taking over the own 16 Detroit Lions and, and getting them to eight and eight that following year. Um, they, you know, they, they, they didn't get very far, which is sort of what, you know, cost them the job there. They, they, they didn't get better. Um, so, that's sort of the knock on him. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he does give them sort of a look at what, you know, the, the other extreme is from, from kitchen. So, you know, is, is it likely that he's the head coach? I don't know. Um, you know, defensive coordinator is interesting. I don't know enough details about, you know, the possibility of, of them sort of moving on or not. Um, clearly he's, He's uh, very good at what he does, um, and and he had, you know, uh, he, he was part of that Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. Um, so he, the the personnel fits what he wants to do, um, and there are some things that make him very appealing. Uh, you know, I, I, again, it's one of those where I think it's probably a, a, a smart decision to talk to him, um, and, and you never know. He might. Uh, come out of this thing as their their best candidate. He is a guy who's data driven, which helps. Um, you know, he would seemingly fit if he does uh, try to get his way out of Philadelphia to come here as a defensive coordinator. He would fit a lot of potential head coaching options um, to be their defensive coordinator. So there's some intriguing possibilities there. But just on his merits, I I, I completely understand why why the Browns would want to would want to look at him. Uh, look, and his you know, career as a defense coordinator is good. I mean, 
And, you know, as far as the defensive side of the ball, you know, he's got a really good reputation there. And, you know, it's essentially the same old story for anybody with Detroit. You either burned and flamed out in less than two years or, you know, you got them up the hill enough and they either didn't go along with it enough or they just don't have enough way to get enough talent in there. And there's some branches that that's where this is always going to be. And, you know, you Cleveland Browns fans, obviously, if anybody knows what that's like, you guys certainly do as you're again here trying to get yourself out of this middle realm and try to get yourself into the respectability realm, which is playoffs. Uh, it's an, it would, it's, it's an interesting name and look for what went on last year. You certainly want to look at the other side of it. Um, I think there's players here who would 100% embrace it. And because these are the guys that have been doing things that have been asked of them and doing things the right way for a long time. And, you know, sometimes those guys, they're never going to say anything. Um, but you know, they would, you know, wish that somebody somehow would find a way to keep the others in line. And basically have it where it's 53 is one. And guess what? If you're not going to be part of the 53, you're not going to act like the 53, then, then you can watch so you can learn how to or, you know, things of that nature. Um, now, Pete, the story now, this is, um, you know, it's building up here, you know, and we'll get, you know, it makes sense as, you know, th- this is dropping here with the Stefanski interview tomorrow and, you know, the lining of maybe a Barry Stefanski and, you know, obviously uh, Paul D. Podesta, triumvirate. Um, Kevin finally gets his day tomorrow uh, before I'm assuming the jump on a plane, head out to San Francisco, which, you know, only can it enhance things for him, you know, with a really good showing there. Um, but he's going to get his day again here. And, you know, for Paul DePodesta, I don't know how this is really going to, I don't know how this is going to change. I mean, if you've always liked the guy, I don't think anything that's gone on this year is going to change your mind unless, you know, there was stuff you didn't know about Josh. You only knew about his reputation, but you know, there's still some clamoring for, you know, that triumvirate, which look, it's, it, it's a great nucleus. It's a great way to go about it. I'm not sure necessarily that's what the Haslam's want to do. And guys, when I talk so much about, look, I, I, you guys knew who my number one target is. So anything I'm telling you right now is what I'm hearing. And I'm just giving you my opinion on it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm okay. Either way, whether it's Stefanski, whether it's Josh McDaniels, I just, I have a hard time believing the Haslam's won't get out of their own way. And if Josh wants this gig, it's going to be his. But I, I got you ain't going wrong, Kevin Stefanski. Um, so the question as to what this interview becomes, I would assume it's in some ways sort of a cross-examination from the Haslam's perspective, asking the question that they have uh, as to why they would prefer McDaniels and, and seeing if they can get answers. Um they're not unfamiliar with each other at this point. This is their third interview in two years. So, you know, I don't know. Hey guys, how you been? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how much different the uh, meeting will be in terms of that type of stuff, but I expect because it's a third, third interview and, and, you know, he's had, had another year in coaching and, and, and maybe they'll talk about some of those things, but, um, I, I have to feel I, I have to think that like this would be an extremely targeted interview in terms of, you know, basically coming up with the questions you have that would say why, you know, what 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 would make you prefer Josh McDaniels or whoever else um, and get very specific answers and and those type of things. And, and you know, the other part of this is find out if, if that is what Stefanski wants to do. Um, 
does he want to leave Minnesota? Does he want to uh, come here, or does he ultimately want to, you know, take the job, that, take a job there? In, in, in a, if if there's a way to get it offered to him or, or whatever, uh, but yeah, I think you look at this as very specific questions, and you're looking for answers to basically give you reason to, uh, you know, keep him in mind. Um, apparently, you were close enough to hire him last time that you know you can. Dot, you know, cross some T's and dot some I's and those type of things. Or you know, there's, you know, it may may not be a convincing enough case. Who knows? But the, the, I would I would hope that you know the Haslam's go into this with an open mind uh, and you know take the take the appropriate approach before they go to McDaniel's. I mean, this is sort of why you're doing this. I mean, I think that, you know, and really the only thing that really is truly is, you know, um, you know, it's, you know, where are you different now, Kevin, from the last time he sat down with you? And it almost seems weird because it really only is 12 months. And, you know, you know, where do you feel different? And look, and there could be that part of Kevin that says, well, you know, why? You know, I mean, I thought it was good enough last year. One of the guys we're sitting at this table with right now thought I was good enough last year. Um, look, there's no other openings this year. Um, or is it, uh, you know, do you talk to Mike Zimmer and Mike says, you know what, uh, maybe I got one in, I don't think I got one in me. Why don't you stick around? You've been here this long. You want to be coach, a head coach of this team or, you, you know, where everything look, I mean, rosters both pretty good, but there is some success there. Minnesota is now going to go, you know, play in a second playoff game this year after winning last week in New Orleans. Uh, you know, and now, and Kevin also going to have the, um, you know, in, I'm not the owner's guy. And at the end of the day, the owners for the most part are always going to be there. And that's something you got to look into in a decision where you go and take a gig. It, 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 it's a, t- it's a tough spot because if you know, one of the guys who's putting the process together and giving you the list vouches for you, that's great. But you know, that guy can be moved on from, it's a tough, tough spot for Kevin Stefanski, but the the triumvirate you can put together up top with Paul with Andrew Barry it's 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 a nice threesome and Pete I I know this is what you're looking for. Well, I I, I don't have enough information on any of the coaches, but uh, you know the information I do have says Andrew Barry's really good at what he does, and I think he's the the, the perfect guy for what they're trying to do. Obviously, he has a working relationship with Paul DePodesta. They get along, uh, so uh, he knows Elliot Wolf. Um, you know, they worked together before he went to the Eagles. So, and he also has a vested interest in a lot of the players that are here, which means, you know, seemingly it would mean the least amount of roster turnover of any of the, of the coaching candidates. So that's interesting. I I mean, I'm intrigued by Kevin Stefanski. I, I like the offense they run. I think it's a good fit for Baker Mayfield and company. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion as to who's better. It's not going to break my heart if the Browns don't get McDaniel's. You know, there's a lot of people who are like in this mode of don't screw it up. I, I think, you know, they have some good choices they can make, but you know, I, I can only work with what I what I know, and what I know is I think Andrew Barry has a chance to be a a really good executive for a very long time. He's only 31 years old, and you know, he he sort of uh learned 
how to do this in Cleveland. I think there's some got to be some uh, desire on his part to sort of you know finish what he had a very big hand in starting. It, the part I do like is from the player standpoint. I mean, some of these guys who you know were a little nervous about. And, you know, whether it's Joe, whether it's, you know, Rashard Higgins, whether it is David Njoku, you know, look, whatever happened last year, um, and even for what your part is of it was, look, I, I, I can't be creating more holes here. So whatever it is, and look, you know, whatever, you guys all got to get better, become better pros in every respect. Except maybe, except maybe not for Joe, but uh, I need you all. Um, and because, look, I, I don't have, you know, the, you know, the Sam's club, so to speak, draft capital that we've had here in the past. So, you know, last thing I need to do is be creating more holes. So it's, it's going to be interesting how that plays out. We got tons more to get to as we keep rolling through another week here, at locked on Browns off season madness, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Pete's going to hit you with a little something from the folks at blue chew and we'll keep on rolling along. It's blue like the color blue. Uh, blue Chew has the same proven active ingredients as products like Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Uh, it's chewable and can work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can take it on full stomach and be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, it's easy to get a prescription, and uh, shipping is discreet. So they'll take care of you from that end. You can use the promo code locked on, uh, so you can uh, take care of the spouse, so they can take care of you. Um, yeah, that's everything. We're good. Um, Pete needed a blue shoe to get that one off, perhaps. Maybe you know, sometimes you know, everybody gets a little stage right somehow, some way. Got to do what you got to do to get through these things. Uh, but again, appreciate the folks over at Blue Shoe. Promo code locked on. Longtime sponsors of the Locked On Podcast Network. Could not be more thankful of them. Uh, Pete, NFL declaration today. Um, Jake Fromm, whatever Fromm's weaknesses are, Pete, you know, I mean, could he have stayed at Georgia and gone down as one of the, you know, long-time four-year starter, which is kind of rare now in the in college football. But anything, any doubts you really have about Jake Fromm, the quarterback, was it really going to get helped by another year down in Athens? Uh, I mean, it's possible. Uh, he did not have a great year um, production-wise uh, in terms of his efficiency. I mean, he's he's regarded as a very cerebral quarterback um, with lesser tools. So some people have, have, have called him sort of a Aaron Murray type. I don't know uh, how true that is. I know he was a regarded as a much bigger prospect after his freshman year, um, and, and people thought he was going to be a really big deal, and it just hasn't sort of panned out. So I don't know. You know, if, if if that's ever likely to happen, if he's going to be sort of a, you know, middle of the road type guy or a spot guy or whatever. Um, so, it, it, it look, it just feels like um, everybody's trying to seemingly avoid 2021 from the quarterbacks. And I don't know why Brom is getting caught up in that unless he knows something uh, that, that that everyone else doesn't. I don't think he's really – that high of a, a prospect, but, and I, and I suppose he'll have, you know, unless he signs an agent and he may have, um, he, he could, you know, opt back into another season of college, but I think he's out 
Um, and we'll see. I, you know, he's he's fine. He just doesn't really do enough that makes me think he's going to be, you know, a great quarterback. Like Georgia, just watching them offensively, just it always felt harder than it should be on offense. In a lot of ways, like the Cleveland Browns this year, where it's just it's just clunkier than it needed to be. And and they just had all this talent, and it just did not go where where it should have. Um. Well, you know, the first thing, you know, the question is going to be arm strength. I mean, and if even if if he hits, I mean, maybe you have an Andy Dalton type guy. Um. But you know, look, you, you look around, and you know, all intents and purposes, seems to be a good kid. Seems to be a really intelligent player. Ain't nothing wrong with being a Chase Daniel. I mean, Chase Daniels is going to make a crap load of money before he's done. Guy's probably going to clear almost $50 million in the NFL and maybe start 16, 17 games in his entire career. Um, I butcher this name every time, so I'm going to let you take this one, Pete. Top-rated center out of University of Wisconsin. Well, maybe top-rated. There's some getting some pub here. Top uh, center, Wisconsin. Tyler? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's Beatids or something like that. Uh, he... You know, it, it felt. I've like, heard it, it like five like different been, ways, so I don't know which one's the right one. There's a lot of vowels in a Z. Um, the the this feels like the fifth year he's been draft eligible, and somehow he's still an underclassman. Um, depending on <laughs> he actually had a year left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he uh, he's the for some people he's the top rated center. This really isn't a good center class, I don't think. Um, not that the Browns need a center, so I don't really care, but. There's not much to it, so he's proven plenty. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a first-round pick, although there are some who think he could go to the late late first. Um, but it's just I, I don't know if there's a ton of competition for him there. The the only the other only other guy that really stands out to me from that standpoint is the kid from Oklahoma, and I don't think he's coming out. Yeah, I mean, people are trying to push up um... – I think it's Ruiz or whatever from Michigan. I don't know enough yet. And I'll be honest, centers are going to be, you know, once J.C. Treader, you know, got his deal done, that's going to be about as far down on the totem pole as possible. But also declaring today, and this may end up being my favorite defensive prospect in this class, Um, going to be a little bit undersized at the safety position. Pretty much does a lot of everything. There is an injury history there. I mean, there's plays in the backfield uh, as a blitzer. There's plays downfield. You know, uh, picking a ball off, you know, lighting up receivers on crossing routes. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota. I remember, Pete, you know, hitting you up early in the year after he was having a monster game against somebody. And, again, here was another guy. It was like, well, how old actually is he? Because, and obviously he's missed a significant amount of time at Minnesota. But once, once Fleck got there, he got healthy. They were playing in a much more better run program. Winfield took off, and, you know, he's going to be one of this year's draft darlings. There's just no way around that. Well, he he had a, a pair of season-ending injuries. Uh, one was a Liz Frank. The other was a hamstring, both against Maryland. Um, he is young. He He's had a great season. Unfortunately, he's only had the one. Um, and it's really difficult to know where he's going to go because, you know, because of the medical. Uh, he is technically a redshirt sophomore, but he, he uh, was able to petition for an you know, extra year or two of college. So he could have t- stayed two more seasons if he wanted to. Um, he's a big, thick, yoked-up kid, very good instincts. Uh, I think he's more of a strong safety than a free safety, but that is where he played at Minnesota. 
he has great ball skills. He just needs to get to the ball more often. Um, certainly, he's a name that's going to be popular, uh, particularly in North, Northeast Ohio, because his dad is, you know, went to Akron, Akron uh, Garfield, uh, obviously went to Ohio State, was a legend in both places, obviously had a, a great run with the Minnesota Vikings. And his kid plays the same way in terms of just how ferocious he is. I, I, my questions with him are about beyond medical or about his hips. Um, you know, he, he's a very good downhill player. He's not always the prettiest tackler in the world, but he, he can do some damage. Um, and, and the Browns are, you know, theoretically in the market for anything to play safety. So if you love a guy like Winfield, you can grab him and sort of figure it out as you go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a question of how concerned are you about the injuries he's had? How, how, you know, long is it, you know, how, how, how good how good do you think he's going to be how long how long do you think he's going to be that good um he he does still seem to appear to have some upside he he does fit a certain style of defense that the Browns may be interested in playing and they just need defensive back help and this is not a good uh, not a good safety class to me um, there are some guys who stand out he's one of them so he he feels like he's a bit of a wild card but He's going to be one of those guys, whether he goes like, you know, first late first round or second round to, you know, sitting there on, after day three, uh, you know, as an undrafted free agent, it's hard to know where he's ultimately going to go. I assume he must have gotten some good uh, information as to about his draft status from the NFL advisory committee. So it would suggest he's, closer to the early part of the draft than later, but really figuring out where he's going to go is difficult. Uh, I, I just love the player. And I, what I love is I, I love versatility. And especially when you're a kid and look, this isn't a knock on Minnesota, obviously a double digit wins this year, but it's kind of like, you know, whatever they needed or whatever it was like, all right, well, we're going to need somebody here to clean. So we want to send somebody into the backfield here. All right. Well, we know what's going on here on third and 12. We need somebody to cover deep when you can take that guy and put him in all those positions and see him succeed. That's what I like. And look, what you like about defensive backs in the era of football we're playing now is versatility where you can mix it up and, you know, everything is disguised where, you know, you're originally 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. Then you start inching up. And the next thing you guess what you have back responsibility and you're making a play on a running back, catching the ball on the three yard, you know, and you shut him down at three yards. I, I think he is that type of guy. I think he gives you kind of like a switchblade, you know, Swiss Army knife type of thing. He's he's a fun player. The injury is obviously going to something you're going to have to peek in and check on. Um, Pete, I sent this over to you today, and this this is maybe look. Yeah, we're all getting older. We know that, but like, just some of these kids were just absolute babies to this point in this draft. Justin Jefferson from LSU, highly productive. If you saw the first round of the college playoffs against Oklahoma, destroyed them. Pete, he is not going to be 21 till about week 16 of his rookie year. You look at the kid from Penn State, uh, KJ Hamler. Uh, after 4th of July, he will not be 21. Cam Akers is another one two months after the draft. Chubba Howard from Oklahoma State, another one. You know, well into June, these guys won't turn 21. These kids are just babies, Pete, and just destroying college football. 
Well, yeah, I mean, some of that is 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 due to you know the the way training has evolved and and, and some of those things, uh, you know, and and that becomes an, another factor. Now you have to figure out um, like maturity and those type of things. You have to now determine are are these you know are these prospects going to essentially be able to handle it? Um, you know. A lot of these prospects may never have signed a check, um, and then they're going to have to essentially. They don't even know what the hell a check looks like. (laughs) Have to figure out how to live on their own or whatever, or whether they have parents move in with them or or whatever. They have a lot to adapt to in addition to, you know, going and doing their job and being uh, uh, successful at an NFL level. And you have to be able to judge that. And that's more difficult than, than it probably uh, looks on the outside and, and you run into some of these kids who take a while to figure it out, whether it's, you know, you have a guy like, uh, uh, shit, what's his name? The kid who went to UAB that went to the Falcons for a long time as a receiver. Uh, Roddy White. you know, he was a guy who, who, uh, Roddy White, yes. um, was a guy who took a long time to sort of figure it out. And he was a guy who was eating junk food all the time. Uh, it was just, you know, some of these things are, are, are you know, they're, they're, they're not adults and they haven't figured out how to do these things and, and, and you know, treat their body like adults and something like that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the part of that is why I like guys like uh, Cam Akers. That's, you know, a guy like Jalen Rager, who I, I, I think is really good. J.K. Dobbins is still baby. Um, a guy like Cole Komet, the Notre Dame tight end, who is, uh, I think, a nice receiver, but can't block to save his life right now. He may not even be done growing. Um, and, and they're going to have to fill out in these things. And it's going to be a lot like he's going to be a situation that's not quite, he's not quite as young as Najoku was coming out, but he's not far off. And there's, there's a lot of guys like that. So it's now one more factor that you have to account for. And, and some of these guys are declaring, are, are are phenomenal players, but they're also doing it because they have financial hardships, and and some of them, even at you know 21, uh, are are going to be their their family's breadwinner and are responsible for taking care of more than themselves. So there's a lot that goes into this, and potentially the amount of money you're handing over. So you know it, it, it can be great, but you can also run into situations where you have guys that take longer to develop, uh, to to figure out how to be mature. Uh, to come to terms with some of those things. And you have guys that, that bust because they can't deal with that. Uh, Corey Coleman, obviously a notable example for the Browns, uh, is somebody that never really grew up. Um, and, and and that has ultimately killed his career in Cleveland. And, and he's trying to, you know, get it get it going in New York. But you you run that risk with some of these guys and you have to be able to properly – identify and then once you draft them properly support these guys so they can be successful because you are now taking uh you know maybe technical adults but they're all 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 intents and purposes children that are going to that are going to run into mistakes and stuff that that if they are not uh properly looked after and catered to in terms of just making sure they can sort of function yeah, and look, and you look at this, and you know, I don't want to put the names to this, and, and Pete and I will get to this. We start doing draft process. You know, you you take these guys. We mentioned some of these babies here. There are guys that are literally three full calendar years older than them, 
going into this draft. Look, those guys got to hit the ground running. These kids at 20 and change, and they're going to show up to training camp just turning 21. You're, you're drafting these guys knowing, you know what? We're not there yet. There's still more, and hopefully we can get it out of this kid. Hopefully this kid, if you know he's comfortable and figures out the pro-life quickly, it's going to work out. These guys, 23 and change, there's a reason you go day three because, look, you know, if it's not going to look right from – jump guess what you know we'll probably go another direction or i already have somebody here and you know it, it's and it's crazy that you get into this and there's guys literally three full calendar years older than some of these other guys and it, it's just crazy how that works within the draft process we got some listener questions to get to and we're going to do that here in a minute uh just you know, a little more business we got to take care of just the way it kind of works around here jeff lloyd pete smith rolling on through on lockdown browns uh, obviously, folks, today was Wednesday. Um, we're here daily. Um, but what's Wednesday mean? Wednesdays mean that's what B said. Brittany and her dad, apparently with a flooded basement, everything that's going on. It, it, trust me, I, I've dealt with that. It sucks. Um, and obviously, Bree and Meredith, they do a fantastic job. That's what B said. The girls put their own spin to things. They have a shitload of fun with it. Uh, check it out. It's you're definitely getting you're getting Browns, you're getting Cleveland sports coverage, you're getting some fun to it and a lot more spin to it, and getting the women's point of view. Yeah, girls do a great job. Uh, you know, glad they got it off the ground and glad for where it's going for them. They're having a lot of fun putting out, you know, some great shows every week. All right, so we'll get to some listener questions here. And we always appreciate you guys for this. This is you know. Why you're here? Uh, why we're here is you guys. So always thankful forever that all of the stuff that you do here. All right, and away we go. And ah, uh, first up, Giovanni Ruiz. Um, I, I had mentioned a while back I was looking for the Odell Beckham McDonald's Cup. I get a package today from Giovanni Ruiz. It wasn't only Odell Beckham Cup; it was every cup, and it was about twenty cups. Uh, Gio, buddy, always appreciated. Assuming. Barry ends up being the GM. Who is the better fit, Stefanski or Schwartz? Schwartz and Barry had a season working together uh, with the Eagles. Um, what do you think, Pete? It's it's impossible to know the answer to that. I mean, you, you would you would hope that on some level that Barry and Schwartz have some sort of working relationship. Obviously, um, seemingly the extent of Barry's uh, you know, knowledge of Stefanski is either two meetings or, uh, you know, what he's heard from other people. Maybe they've had contact other than that, but um, uh, whatever reason, they, they felt like it was a good fit. Um, but, it, you know, it's impossible to really know the answer um, of what that actually works like. So, I mean, you know, he and Schwartz may have worked together, but maybe they don't feel like a good fit or maybe they do or maybe all all of them are, are hoping to be able to work together i don't know the answer to that um the question would be if he's coming here it'd be coming here you know coming back because of paul and if paul was okay with it because look he's not coming back first he's coming back after so you know it would be interesting how it plays out there but again guys there's always this the eagles don't have to let him go he's a front office guy so there is that to it. I, I don't know why the Eagles would necessarily hold him back. They have a fantastic GM. Um, 
It would be interesting, no doubt about it. And obviously, you know, as Pete mentioned, and it saves a lot of the roster and some roster headaches. Um, you know, and there's certain guys here I don't want to see leave. So um at 27, Scuba Steve. Uh Pete, is there a possibility James Campen could be headed to Dallas? I suppose it's possible. Uh he's still under contract right now. Um, I, and I don't know if he wants to go to Dallas. And I don't know what Dallas wants to do in terms of their offensive line scheme. Um, obviously, Mike McCarthy's there, but they are keeping Kellen Moore. Uh, so it may be more up to Kellen Moore than it is Mike McCarthy. In, just in terms of preference, it doesn't mean he's going to make the decision. It's just you may just may not be – a great fit from that standpoint, you know, but there are other offensive line coaches out there like Harry Heinstein. I think he's still, still hanging out. It's not the end of the world. It's just, I think um, given what uh, Campen has done here, he may be content to stay with it. Uh, the coach that takes the job may be happy to keep him. It remains to be seen, but if it is uh, somebody like Stefanski, you know, Campen's been, Campen was doing the wide zone stuff, which is, one of those things where, like, all these people are, like, talking about, well, you know, Stefanski's just basically riding uh, Gary Kubiak and, and Rick Dennison's coattails, which I suppose is theoretically possible, but the Browns had a coach that was running that exact scheme and taught it and were r- operating at a high level with Batonio, Treader, and Chubb. Well, the other thing is, is Dallas's offense is pretty – it's pretty set. I mean – with camp in part, of what you're looking for. Oh wait, for no, is... no, no, never mind. He's not going there. There you go. That Mark Colombo is one of the coaches they insisted they're keeping. Oh, that's right. So Mark there Colombo you go. Then. Yes. The uh, and so, the yeah. other thing though yes, is, is, is there's not much no. development needed. So you know, and that's kind of what you know you would go and get a campman for. So uh, also from Steve, um, we've always been told it's important for a GM to have their coach. What will the situation look like in this reverse role? Would McDaniel's handpicked GM ever actually be able to fire the man who hired him? Well, guys, look, I mean, you know, before John got canned, John wanted to keep Freddie Kitchens. They told him, we're not keeping Freddie Kitchens anymore. He's gone. Um, There's still a pecking order here. And look, and if it turns out to whoever, if it's, Whatever head coach and the GM that, you know, maybe they come in together. I mean, do you come in together? And, you know, but I mean, there's a million ways it works out. Do you come in together and things go good? If that's okay, you're both here for a while. If you come in together and things go bad right away, you both get thrown out of your ass at the same time. You come in and there's, you know, a three, four, five year run. And then there ends up being a, you know, a fracture between either head coach and GM, you know, a fracture between the two of them, you know, then an organization has got to make them, you know, make a decision one versus the other pit. There's a million ways it could work out, but the point is, and, and this is what, you know, the Haslam's are trying to say is whatever it is and whatever group we go with is we want, you know, a mentality where everybody is in agreement. Well, I mean, the Browns have, have done this both ways, where the GM has picked the coach and the coach has picked the GM. Um, when, when when they hired Eric Mangini, he, he hired George Kokinas. And when they hired 
John Dorsey, obviously, he hired Freddie Kitchens. Um, it's not as simple as, you know, if they hire Josh McDaniels, for example, or they hired Stefanski, they are just picking their their GM. It, they're, uh, are, they're going to have a voice in that discussion, but it's not going to be just them. Um, and to answer the question, is the GM going to be able to fire the coach? I doubt it. Um, I think the Browns are trying as hard as they can to make this a marriage that uh, they're all in so that they avoid a situation where, um, you know, you have different factions trying to gain favor and ultimately take control. Um, you know, ultimately, if, if there's something that occurs down the line, I suppose ownership would have to step in and basically do what they usually do, which is pick a side and then uh, it devolves from there. But I think they're trying like hell to make it a united front where uh, everybody's on the same page, which is part of the reason that John Dorsey ultimately got shit canned is because he is, you know, he was fighting for something that they weren't going to keep and ultimately was uh, a detractor in something. So rather than try to do what the Giants did, which I think is going to probably end poorly, at least for Dave Gettleman, um, they are just saying, look, we're going to do this all as a, as a whole and, and go from there. So, you know, at that point, it becomes a question of, one, can they can can these people operate and do the job? And then, two, how patient can ownership be, which is something they have to decide for themselves because they can't sit there and second-guess and hover and, and do all those things that have sort of gotten them in trouble in, in past years. Especially when you're going to start throwing some significant long-term dollar amounts to some of these key players. It, it's It's got to be relevance. And relevance isn't seven and nine. It's not eight and eight. Relevance is playing freaking goddamn January football. That's the goal here. That is the only goal here. And if it's not met, you know, everybody's seat is hot. It's white hot. Um, Just want to say one thing here. As far as the um, guys, you got to keep in mind what you're listening to on social media. And, you know, um, oh, well, I'm told that maybe Josh McDaniels is going to back out tonight. Nothing's changed on any scenario here. Not with Josh, not with anybody. This plan has pretty much stayed the course here of what the Browns are going to do. Um, if you're going to listen to the same people who's interested in outing people or trying to attempt people, outing people on their sexuality, stop. Know what the freak you're listening to. Everybody's trying to create a buzz. Let this play its course. Nobody's going to know shit till probably Friday night, Saturday. Just let it play out. And uh, clowns are going to clown. That's where that's at. Pete, what's the latest over at Browns, Um, You know, both myself and, and Sean wrote features basically talking about the coaching process. He was talking about structural changes he thinks need to happen. I was more uh, discussing the process uh which you know again i think is it's been good and uh, again this is another thing where it's focusing on the, on the process that's hopefully leading to a good product as opposed to worrying about the product and then wondering why the why the process uh did or didn't work so uh, it's not pushing any particular candidate but purely looking at how this thing has sort of worked itself out uh, in weird fashion for the browns and how it could work but ultimately it's going to come down to ownership yeah, and it was actually funny, though, because uh, we were talking about underclassmen today. And uh, I think the list now is north of 85 of guys declared. 
And then uh, Dane Brugler chimed in, and he's like, well, I've got 12 guys most likely coming from the national championship game alone. It's going to be another record amount coming out. And obviously, Pete and I are going to cover the living daylights out of the draft for you guys, as we always do. Um, obviously, four playoff games coming up this weekend. The official count is Jeff is 2-2, two and two, and Pete is 2-2. Two and two. So we'll see how that plays out. And, you know, obviously, we'll cover all that for you. We always enjoy that, too. Um, Faint Brown's ball to talk about. At least we enjoy getting to talk about it. Here's one, Pete. What do you enjoy more, this weekend that's about to come up or wild card weekend? For me, it's wild card weekend because, look, if you ain't got you ain't got a dog in the race, I want to see I want to see one of these Cinderellas. Give me a six seed advance just to make it more fun. I, I don't. I've never really. Picked between them, I suppose it would be wild card simply because um, everybody's on relatively even footing. You, you know, you have a week to get ready. Um, it's you know, you don't have one team with a massive advantage theoretically, even if they've earned it in the in the bye week before hosting the divisional round, where you could have somebody who just you know had to scratch and claw their way to get there, such as Houston did, uh, only to turn around and have to potentially go into a buzzsaw. So. I mean, I, I think these are the two best weeks of the year in terms of football in the fact yep. that you get you get four games over two days, you get to watch the whole thing, and they tend to be, you know, you hope hope you don't get any duds. Um, but I, I would I would I would go with the wild card over the divisional. Yeah, and I'll be I, I'll be honest, I don't know if I remember this weekend that's coming up where they always played that Sunday at six forty. Like I remember championship Sunday, they would play it at 640 to get you more acclimated to the, you know, the start time of the Super Bowl. I, I don't remember them playing that second game on Sunday this weekend at 640. That is new. Uh, no, that's 100%. Championship weekend was the one that was sort of off. But every where they started time, to transition you into it, yep. Yeah, where, where, you know, Saturday was typically that 430, 830, and then Sunday was 1 and 4. Um, so it's interesting that they're migrating, but you know, makes makes little difference to me. Yeah, makes it easier. Look, I can get all my shit done, and I can get to a couch by two thirty. Be ready to go for the day. Uh, I'm gonna put a bow on this one here. Uh, Pete and all the work, obviously, they're doing over Browns Maven uh, through SI.com, busting it out, putting out content daily, lots of it. Make sure you're checking it out. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith, the show itself. At Lockdown Browns. Always follow back account. Uh, DMs open. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs open. Guys, anything you want, ideas, look, questions you have, you don't want to put it on Twitter timeline. You know, I got, I'm doing my best to help you guys out there. As much as you all do for us, I do my best to try and return that to you as well. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Mound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>